Welcome to the One Question XYZ podcast. It all starts with one question and then the conversation unravels. We bring in industry experts to discuss the XYZ of sales and marketing. My name is Carl Radke and I'm a sales guy. And my name is Dahlia Strom and I love marketing. We're back and we're podcasting live at Women in Luxury. This is a luxury daily event, and my name is Dahlia Strom. We're here with my co-host Carl Radke. Hello, hello. And we have Deborah. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I'm Deborah Kalmer, the CEO and founder of Raw Africa. We are a luxury African specialist, planning trips for mostly Americans to 13 countries in Africa. You mentioned before that you get asked all the time about trips in Africa. Is this the right itinerary? Are there things that I'm missing? I feel like the conversation starts earlier than that. So can you walk us through what the journey was for you to create this business? To create the business? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been living in New York now 19 years. So you're, you're a New Yorker. Yeah, you're a New Yorker. I think so. Official. Yeah, official. Um, and in the very beginning, I wasn't in this business. I never envisioned this business. I never wrote a business plan. I never did anything the way you're supposed to do it. But living here, people would ask me all the time, um, you know, look, I'm going to Africa. Can you look at my itinerary? Is, am I doing the right things? And I would sort of see these mediocre itineraries that definitely look like they'd been sold by people who were just selling a destination, right. not necessarily people who were connected to Africa and could really give you the inside intimate experience. And I also saw a lot of um, an anxiety in Americans going to Africa. So many misperceptions, don't know what to expect. You know, it's not like buying a luxury item in a store where you can change it if it's not right, right? right. You've got to get it right before you go there. Um, and so with that in mind and also knowing that there were so many women in Africa that I could bring into the tourism industry quite easily, I thought, great, I can build this bridge of confidence between the American traveler and also help African women on the ground. And so that's how it started. But it was a hobby. I had a website, word of mouth. <laughs> it wasn't um, a plan, as I said. And, you know, I really just did everything from instinct. Um, how? How, how would I like to travel? Not even necessarily how I could afford to travel, but how I would like to travel. And, and that naivety actually ended up being a major differentiator because we set up our own team on the ground in Africa. So unlike all our competitors who outsource that to a ground handler, you then as the customer being given to somebody you've never spoken to before to deliver the trip that's hopefully not had any broken telephone and got to the stranger. So that that's the one really great thing about not being naive that right. materialized out of sitting sitting no, up the business. Of, I mean, so, so once it like when did it actually hit that like okay, I have a legitimate business here and what was the tipping point? Yeah, what, what made you kind of finally, <laughs> yeah. finally, okay, this is like for real, for real. When Robert Redford booked his trip with me. Okay. Wow, that was very cool. <laughs> was How long ago was that? Uh, 2014. Wow. So when he booked to go back to Africa for his first time after having wow. filmed the movie 35 years ago, um, I was like, okay, we're a real company. Yeah. <laughs> we better be able to do it. How did he find you guys? Um, word of mouth. Word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. One of my. Can't underestimate the power of word of mouth. Yeah, you oh. can't. No, you can't. What do you think the reasoning is that so many people want to go visit Africa? So it's it's really amazing to me because 
I often ask myself, until recently, why do people come back from Africa telling me it's the best trip in their life, right. never been anywhere like this, changed my life, you know, like really profound statements. People come back from Paris or Rome and had a great time, amazing, but they don't say it changed my life, yeah. or it was the best trip of my life. Those are really, like, really, bold statements. Really bold statements. And so I actually worked with a psychiatrist on this because I wanted to understand why was this the response. And it's not the response just to me. I'm sure it's anyone who goes to Africa. And um, anyway, he said to me, what's happening when you go to Africa is you are reconnecting with everything we've dis- disconnected with. Our day-to-day lives, we run away from rain, we don't see sunsets, we don't even know there's stars in the sky anymore because we're never looking at them. We don't smell our food. We don't even grow our food. So all the things that are patterned into our DNA from where we came from are gone. And as much as our lives have progressed in lots of luxury type of ways, I think our psyche's lost tremendously from this disconnection. So when you go back into the wild, what's happening is this reconnection. And suddenly people are feeling whole. And they don't know why. They haven't, I didn't know why. You know, I don't know why. I've been on 200, 300 safaris and I still want to go back. And I'm actually working, funnily enough, with a psychiatrist who is also a wilderness guide. He was like, Deborah, this is obvious. And when he explained it to me, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what's happening. So I think, you know, it's really nice for people to understand that that's what's happening. It's a personal journey for everybody. You're not going to react the same. But people are emotional, you know. I see people come back from game drives and they're crying. And I'm crying because I'm like, oh my God, like it got inside you, it got under your skin. But I also think that it partially has to do with your itinerary too, right? So if you're putting together an amazing experience where you get to experience sunsets and you get to look at the sky and even right down to smelling your food, how does that how does that happen? It's, it's a little bit more intentional on your end too. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think there's a huge amount of emotional intelligence that goes into this. Just like there is an art to designing jewelry or fashion item or whatever, there is an art to designing these itineraries. And every single itinerary we do is completely unique and different. So I don't churn out, here's your trip to South Africa, here's your trip to Tanzania. We sit with the client. We try and understand what is luxury to them. Because luxury to me is space and silence because I live in New York. Luxury to somebody else might be Wi-Fi and 24-hour room service, you know. So trying to understand what's important to that person and then match the people to the places and also to put them in the hands of people that are my friends that grew up with me that can deliver an authentic intimate experience rather than oh this client's not going to know the difference they've never been here before we don't care put them there do this you know and that happens I know it happens so you know um, that's what we do we specialize in trying to be very sensitive and very delicate in sewing the whole thing together so the question I we typically ask our guests and I actually forgot the last two people but it sounds like you've had a lot of success, a lot of amazing things. Is there something you maybe screwed up or a mistake, mistake you made? I mean, a lot of our listeners are starting their companies themselves or they have an app and they're working on something. I think it's helpful typically to hear from someone like yourself, yeah. you know, maybe something you overlooked or... Oh, there's so many mistakes. There's so many mistakes yeah. and so much money wasted you have, you because have, it's trial and error. Yeah. So much of it is trial and error. You know, I don't have a marketing department. I didn't go to school in America. I don't have a network of people here to pull on. So, you know, can imagine all the stumbling blocks in my way. Sure. Um, and so how, how do you, like, can you give an example of one and how you overcame it? Um, yes, we, we signed up with a social media company and they were going to run our social media and 
how could I have ever thought that people who are not from Africa, who live in New York, could suddenly be handling our social media? I spend my life correcting geography. The lake in da 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 is in the wrong country. The grammar was all over the show, you know. Um, so, I mean, that was just a huge expense and massively embarrassing and sent me in a complete tailspin every day because it was like, oh my God, what are they going to write now, you know? I'm smiling ear to ear, by the way, because it drives me crazy when people choose to outsource their social media, especially when you have no say in it, right? Like, that's the face of your business. The first thing that people are doing now when they go to your website is they click on your oh, social media icon. That's, that's like proof of concept that you that you exist, that exactly. your business actually it's, it's exists. It's validation, right? Yes. Yeah. No. So how did, you, how did you get out of that situation? <laughs> no, I ended the contract. How long was that in contract? Uh, yeah, luckily, it was a year, but actually they could see that it was just, they were just not capable and, and not through lack of effort, it was just lack of knowledge. Right. And, you know, so now I've realized, okay, it, you know. So that, now that's something internally that you have? We do that team. internally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good yeah. <laughs> So you went from a point of word of mouth to actually scaling this to a real business. What are some of, like, your current strategies to reach more people or create more awareness of, of what you do and why, why you're the best option? You know, I think there's so many things that one has to do all together. It's just like a mixture for the perfect recipe, and it's relentless. Um, obviously, delivering quality again and again is key, and, and, and people coming back and talking about you is the most powerful thing of all. And right. now, obviously, there are people who've been multiple times, and the word of mouth has spread. Um, I think what's really helped is, is the media. They've actually been very kind to us and done a lot of different stories. But it's hard work also getting to them and thinking of those stories and talking about Africa. And, you know, I'm tired of people always thinking Africa's just about safari. You know, there's so many talented artists, fashion sure. designers, jewelry designers. There is amazing things. And so I call it the other big five. And I'm constantly sort of beating the drum trying to educate people on what else one can do in Africa. Right. Of course you want to go on safari, but it's not the only thing. Right. And it's interesting because, so again, my misconception is the same concept. I really was in the headspace of Africa, safari. So how do you break through that? How do you, how do you adjust the mindset? Just trying to educate people. You know, yeah. I wish somebody would make a new movie, you know, instead of The Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like again, again and again and again. And, you know, some, um, and then there are other movies like District six I think it was district nine and sure. you know there, there are but there's there hasn't been enough um, done on Africa and uh, I wish I could could get somebody to do a movie because it seems like that's how most people are educated these days so right. you know insta clips working with with influencers trying to get the word out with their other experiences because right. we we really need tourism like it's the one industry that can solve the unemployment crisis in Africa so trying to spread that uh, is important yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I, I agree. I think that, unfortunately, most countries also need the same thing. So, so like, how do you stand out from the crowd? How do you make Africa, uh, like, a desirable destination point? Well, I think that, you know... Africa has some of the best hospitality in the world. If you look at some of the top hotel lists in Condé Nast or Travel and Leisure, the hotels in the top ten there are what's, always... What's the giraffe one? Giraffe Manor. Giraffe Manor. Yeah. Look at see, you. Look at you. You see, that, you're that influenced by social media. Yeah, yeah. social media. And their social media is fantastic. Yeah, for that. Now, do you, would you work with them? No. I don't, <laughs> no. 
no, I don't. Um, I'm sorry, you were talking about the, the hotels. And um, what, what, yeah, so, what, how do you differentiate from, like, Paris or... Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's not a destination... Like, I go to St. Bart's every August. It's, you're not going to go to Africa every August. No, yeah. I mean, I St. wish Bart's you were. St. Bart's very true to, to my <laughs> yeah. personal heart. And it's a, a beach holiday is a beach holiday. It's yeah. very different to an African holiday. But I do have clients that have come back multiple times. I've got one client that's come back 12 times in 13 years type of thing. So, you know, how do you... I, I don't know. I think, you know... Africa's got a long way to go to step up to the level of hospitality in some of the destinations. Like Namibia is about 30 years behind South Africa. Right. You know, some areas have got it right. Rwanda's just come onto the map, really, with the gorillas. They've got some fancy hotels that have opened up there. So we are catching up. And, um, you know, there will be new destinations like Chad, Benin, Gabon. I think in the future, those are all countries that will have strong ecotourism models. And when they get the luxury hotels in there, lodges, then it gives people a bit more comfort. I, mean, I don't want to go to some of those places right now because where am I going to stay? Right. You know what I mean? It's not gonna, my husband will go, but I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> so, so how often do you go back? Oh, I'm up and down all the time. Wow. I'm about to go back in three weeks' time and then back again. I'm up and down all the time. Do you feel like when people show interest that it takes a certain period of time for them to actually commit to going on a trip? It's a big commitment because it's a big commitment of time and money. And as I say, people are cautious. They're careful. It just depends, though. There's not a standard. You know, some people, I've got people booked for Christmas next year already. Um, And then somebody will phone me today and say, I want to go in July. And I'm like, which year? (laughs) Did did your your team find find themselves doing a lot of selling? Or is it like just kind of educating? Uh, no, you know, it's it's a it's a very difficult sale right. of all my sales careers, which have yeah, been very I, I've successful. Yeah, I've been in sales a lot. And yeah. it's, it's a, obviously sales is really hard, but when the money and the ticker price, the sticker price is high, it's a whole other. It's level even harder. Yeah, and typically it lengthens the sales cycle. You know, where you're exactly in touch. You know, they call, they get information, and then they're debating and debating yeah. for several weeks. I mean, is that these find a long, a long sales cycle, or it just depends? It depends, you know. It could ha- be 10 months. It could be one night. Yeah. You know, it just depends on where the... It's, it's almost like high-end retail, you know what I mean? And, and what's so difficult in, in my position is the value proposition is invisible. You know, I'm not selling a hotel. I'm yes. selling a service. Right. I'm Experience. saying I'm going to look after you in Africa and I'm going to change your life in the way that I do this. Right. And they've got a voice at the end of the phone. Yeah. If I'm lucky and I can meet them in person, that's a game changer. Then they'll yeah, then it's, it's, it's done. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard. You know. And do you incorporate like FaceTiming and just some of your try sometimes yeah. Skype, Skype. You know, yeah. I do. I will get on the plane and fly to a family if they would they like want. me to. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of clients in Bermuda, so I'm always going there to go and meet people and talk about it. And you know, we get a lot of big families, a lot of multi-generational sure. um, stuff. So then it's much better if I meet with the people. Yeah. Do you feel like there is um, almost like a peak season? So like holidays, yeah. are those ever peak seasons? Or like, is this something, just like you said, a multi-generational family where you're you're doing like a, a family retreat or something, or even like a work retreat? Do you feel like there... Yeah, there is. I mean, definitely the American summer is the peak season. So, you know, June to the end of August is our busiest time for sure. Okay. Um, and then again at Christmas. Um, so yeah, those are the two peak times. Now, when you have like, it sounds like you have some pretty high-profile people that are using your service. Do, is there any conversation? Let's say, just about, like Justin Bieber. Let's say he wants to take a book, a book with you guys. Do you come back to him and say maybe like, hey, post about this trip while you're doing it, and make sure you tag mm-hmm. us. And like, is that part of the conversation? Or are you just kind of like, hey, take your trip, and we hope you, you post about us. Yeah, I mean, I hope, and we ask yeah. all our clients. Ask, it's it's in our material. It's in our Got vehicles. It. Sure. You know, 
if you'd like to follow our journey or whatever. But try to be gentle about it. Just hope that, you know, it's really important. It would really help us. So uh, it would be great if people did. You did mention influencer marketing. So have you ever flown out a bunch of influencers and given them the type of trip that most people would expect? And then also, kind of as a requirement, captured any of the content that they... So we're about to work with our biggest, the biggest travel influencer. Wow. Um, and very, very excited. They're coming out in uh, June That's to exciting. film our, our women's empowerment trip. And then they will post about that. Amazing. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. So so just for better context, most of these, you, do you organize like a group trip? So like, I don't know. No, they're all private. They're all, all private. private. So it would be a couple. It could be a single person. It could be a family of 26. Right. Um, we've done the Garden Club of America. So, you know, specialist groups as well. We do food trips. You know, really depends. But no... Uh, combined mixing people who don't know each other. So what would the women empowerment trip look like? So that is really to give African women a platform to show off uh, some of the jobs and work that they're doing in conservation um, because, you know, it's so stereotyped safari, right? You think of safari, what do you picture? White male crocodile dundee carrying his rifle. Like, I'm so over it. Totally. I'm so exactly. over it. Exactly. There are a ton of women behind the safari business okay. that without their work, we wouldn't have a business, yep. you know? There are women anti-poaching teams. I mean, that's like being in a war. Those women are, are yes. armed. They, they have a harsh, harsh life day to day, risking their lives every day to protect our wildlife. They're women chefs, they're women rangers, they're women trackers, all these amazing women, and they never get any recognition. So I put this trip together when I went to a lodge last year, and I had two female pilots flying a really sexy plane, and I was, I you know, stereotype looking for the male, because my husband's also a pilot for fun. Yeah. And I was like, are you ladies captaining this plane? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like, this is so amazing. Okay, yeah. we're going to do a trip, you're going to fly my clients, we're going to find other woman and then what I did is I worked with the lady Pat Mitchell who curates all of the TED woman conferences so she's got a strong following so we're taking a group of philanthropic American women out to Africa to see all the things that these women are doing, inspire them. And we've got some um, speakers from India, from America, from Colombia and the Congo, also to share more global stories. So it's all about trying to, you know, give these African women a voice and we're going to film them and we're going to post that oh. and we hope we'll do it every year. That's a trip that I would want to be on. How do I get on <laughs> Come that next trip? Year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah. This has been amazing. Yeah, really Great. Cool. Thank you so um, much for having me. What's the best way for our listeners to contact you? Uh, rawafrica.com. Yeah. Welcome at Raw Africa. Okay, perfect. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, you guys. Bye. This episode, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on LinkedIn and our Instagram for updates for some behind-the-scenes content.